Well, good morning. It is really a good morning. It really is. Uh, pastor's already quoted the verses about this is the day the Lord has made. That's wonderful. Psalms 118, verse 23 and 24. This is the day the Lord has made. There'll never be another day like this one. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. Okay, so we're glad to be here. These, y'all got good pastors. These are good, these are good pastors. I really mean that. I get to go all over the world. They're happy and they're holy. That's wonderful. They're, they're, they're strong and they're straight. You know what I mean? They're not goofy and crazy and they, they're loose in the spirit of God, but they got standards. Isn't that wonderful? That's what we need. So God bless you guys. We're glad to be here. Be, be seated if you will. Ah, we're delighted. I really mean that I'm happy to be here. Very busy times in our life. Good gracious. Can you believe this? I've been preaching 47 years and I've averaged speaking five times a week for 47 years. Do the math on that. I, really, I've been preaching 47 years and I've averaged speaking five times a week for 47 years. I tell people I'm living proof. Practice don't make perfect. See what I'm talking about? That's really true. That's a lot of preaching in it. 47 years, five times a week. Here's what I figured out. I, out of all that preaching, uh, I figured out if you can figure it out, it's not God. If you can just wrap your mind around and go, yes, I see that. Because the Bible says the natural mind, that's the one you and I have, cannot comprehend the things of the Spirit. It's foolishness to us. It must be spiritually understood. So you can't understand the things of God in the natural mind. You have to do it through the Spirit. you believe that? That's what the Bible says. And so, Holy Spirit, we want you to be our teacher today. The Bible said he'll guide us into all truth, the full truth, the whole truth. He'll not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will give the message that has been given to him. This is John 16, verse 13. He says, and he will declare to you the things that are going to happen in the future. Talking about Holy Spirit. See, you don't need a psychic to try to tell you the future. Holy Spirit will tell you the future. John 16, 13, he will tell you the future. Isn't that wonderful? He'll show you what's going to happen and, and I love Nehemiah 9.20. Nehemiah 9.20 says, And God gave them, the people of God, His good spirit. Say good spirit. good spirit. See, the Holy Spirit's good spirit. He gave His good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold His manna from their mouth. I love that. That's Nehemiah 9.20. It's a Hebrew word there. And he gave his good spirit to instruct them. The word instruct is a strong, big, broad word. It's a word that means it covers all the way from a mother teaching a little toddler to take his first uh, fledgling steps to an army general teaching his soldiers to march. So the Holy Spirit covers us in every aspect of our life. Do you see that? He can tutor us and teach us in every aspect and every circumstance of our life if we'll depend upon him. Say Holy Spirit. Well, anyway, let me say, I've got to say a few things. We've got uh, a book table here. And the Lord told me, he said, write books. He said, I want you to look at books as tools, teaching tools, uh, things that enable the people. And uh, th- this is one right here. Uh, this is called Empowered by God. Uh, if I was going to read this book, I'd probably start with chapter 6. Chapter 6 says, it is God that has qualified us and not we ourselves. It is he that has made us fit ministers. Wow. And we talk about empowerment. We try to teach you who God says that you are. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 says, now are we ambassadors for Christ. Now, now right now, in this present days. Uh, that's it, Ephesians. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 20, now are we ambassadors for Christ. And so I looked up the word ambassador. It's a Greek word that means a senior representative sent out with authority. Wow. If that's who I am right now, a senior representative sent out with authority, I got a couple of questions. Number one, hey, how much authority do I have? Answer is same amount as the one that sent me. Whose ambassador am I? Now are we ambassadors for Christ? How much power does Christ have? 
Matthew 28, 18, all power, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. So this book here, Empowered by God, will help you to understand who you are. Can you believe God and the devil both are asking you the same question? God and the devil both are asking you the exact precise same question. Here it is. The devil goes, who do you think you are? And heaven goes, who do you think you are? See, as a person thinks in his heart, that's how he's going to live. I'm going to give you this book, okay? I want you to read it now. It doesn't have a lot of pictures in it. But I'll tell you what, it'll help you. I'll, I'll guarantee you this, it'll help transform your life. I wish somebody had handed me a book like that when I was your age. It really, really, really will help you. Empowered by God. All of us need to understand we've been empowered. If you've been born again, you've been empowered for purpose. You, you don't get the Holy Ghost for nothing. You get the Holy Ghost. Acts 1.8 said, but you shall receive what? Power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you will be a witness unto Christ. So say empowered. I want you to get the empowered book. And the Lord told me, he said, I want you to start signing books. I said to him, I don't sign books. He said to me, you do now. So I told my wife, Carolyn, my wife, Carolyn, been married 53 years. This year, 53 years. I'm telling you, that's amazing. Every time I quote that, my wife is usually with me, and she'll quote Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's what she'll usually quote. But uh, it's really right. So anyway, when the Lord told me, I want you to sign books, I said, I don't sign books. He said, you do now. So I told my wife, I said, we're going to have a book signing tonight. She said, I didn't know we signed books. I said, or we do now. I'll tell you, the first book I ever signed, this is the absolute truth. Ananias and Sapphire told us don't lie in church. Remember them? The other one dropped dead in the book of Acts for lying in church. Anyway, my first book I ever signed, I was at the book table, and I knew my name, so I signed it. And the lady in front of me, I said, what is your name? She said, Donna. I said, is it D-O-N-N-A? And she said, that's correct. So I'm writing it D-O-N-N-A. When my pen made the last stroke of A, a Bible passage just drifted across my spirit, just like a ticker tape. So I thought, I'll write it down. She's watching me write down this verse. And as she's watching me, when I finish the, the verse, she falls on the floor. This is the first book I ever signed. She falls on the floor. She starts hyperventilating. Ah! 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 That's it. That's the verse my mother used to train me. And let me tell you what, hundreds of things like that has happened at the book, tour, books, book table. God grew a guy a finger at the book table. He had cut his finger off with a saw, building a cabinet, and I was joking. I said, you know, God's got original parts, and God grew him a finger at the book table. A guy 40 years stone deaf in his ear got healed at the book table. Miracles happen at the book table. It's the craziest thing. It, and then God will give me a verse for the people. It's, it's crazy. It's really crazy. And uh, so we'll, we'll sign your book if you get a book. Well, that's one of them, uh, Empowered. And then, uh, boy, here's one. This, this is one. For 21 years, we're actually 22 now, but for 21 years on the Day of Atonement, we have this encounter, this visitation with Jesus Christ. He'll tell me some of the things that will happen in the future, and I write in a book called The Shepherd Jod. This is one. I wrote this one in 2015 for 2016. You write it a year in advance. But uh, this is, this is uh, listen to it. I'll just read a little back flap for a moment our nation the united states of america is in serious trouble you believe that we are beyond mere human help we must have divine intervention god has had great mercy on our nation this past election i'm telling you guys god cares nothing about democrat or republican he's looking at heart issues and i tell you i hope the church don't squander our opportunity god's given us and that's what this book is about this book the whole thing of this book is this engaging the merciful lord in judgment please remember mercy and my my verse that i use is habakkuk i'll read it to you habakkuk chapter 3 and now this i'm reading out of an amplified version of the bible listen to it habakkuk chapter 3 verse 1 
A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, set to wild, enthusiastic, and triumphal music. Oh, I already like that, don't you? I like that. The Bible says right here, this prayer was prayed and sung out in a, a wild, enthusiastic, triumphal. Look what he says. Oh, Lord, I have heard the report of you, and I was afraid. Oh, Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make yourself known. In wrath, earnestly remember love, pity, and mercy. Wow. You believe America needs to be praying that? Oh, God, in judgment, remember mercy. And, boy, he's having mercy on us. You say, well, Bobby, you think America's under judgment? No doubt about it. What judgment were we under? Isaiah 520. Isaiah 520 says, Woe unto the nation that finds it easy to call good evil and evil good. Are we there? I I would suggest so. Uh, I really will. But I'll tell you what, God is turning it around. In In this book here, we talk about how to give you strategy on how to take back our nation. And it says, the problem is, if you think we're going to straighten this mess out from the White House, that ain't going to happen. It's going to be the church house. God's going to straighten out America from the church house, not the White House. And here, we give you strategy in this book to do it. And I'm telling you, our number one need in America right now is, in the book of Revelation, it says we've abandoned our first love. We've got to get back to first love. We've got to get back to really, really, really intimacy with Jesus. So, uh, listen, you'll read this one, won't you? Good. Okay, so that's, that's the other book. And then here's one. This one, for about four or five years, I went up and down the land because the Lord said, somebody's going to write a book about legacy and lineage line and help, uh, help grab a generation and, and, and uh, turn a generation. So I'd say it, nobody. And finally, my wife said, Bobby, I believe God's talking to you about writing that book. I said, okay. So I said, Lord, you mean to write that book? And he said, yes. It came like a download, just a, like this. And so I get, I'm a very busy person. So anyway, I go to a couple of meetings a week, usually uh, somewhere in the world. This week, uh, this uh, month, we're going to Dubai. Just got in from uh, England and Europe last week. We were in Switzerland, in, uh, England, and uh, different places. But anyway, so I wrote the first edition of this book, and it came. It was really good. I got a download real good. And then I got busy and started the meetings. And I'm going somewhere once, and the Lord said, Bobby, how's your Legacy and Lineage Line book coming? And so I said, uh, <clears throat> I said, <clears throat> uh, I pushed it to the back burner, and, boy, the Lord said to me, I want you to cancel the meetings, get in a secluded place, and finish the book. So that, that was the first one, I think. you. And, boy, they sold out by the thousands. And so then the Lord said, I want you to revise the book. And rewrite it. So this is a this is a re- revision to it. I've added over nearly a hundred pages on it. In this book, it talks about how to amplify the blessings of God on your descendants, and how you live will affect your descendants. Legacy is how you live, what you leave behind. Lineage line is who you leave behind, and they're inseparable. How you live your life will affect your descendants from now on. That's why I said about this election, we're forging the future our children will live in. You believe that? You and I are forging the future our children and grandchildren will live in. And so I I want us to really, really understand. In this book, we talk about Isaiah 44, 3 and 4. Isaiah 44, 3 and 4, God says, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, floods upon dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your descendants, and they will spring up like willows by a riverbank. See, if you and I are hungry and desperate, our children, our lineage line flourish. Here's a great verse. Psalms 112, verse 2. Psalms 112 verse 2 said, The offspring of the upright will be mighty in the earth. So I looked up the Hebrew word mighty. It means they will take charge. Isn't that good? So there's some great promises concerning your lineage line. There's some also negative things. It says the parents eat bitter fruit and the children's teeth get set on edge. Wow. So how we live will affect our descendants, won't it? 
If we live godly, it'll affect him for a good way. If we live ungodly, it'll affect him in a bad way. You'll read this book, but I'll give it to you, won't you? Good. Okay. All right. Now, let's get into the message. We're, what time's the service tonight? Seven o'clock. I know what I'm going to speak about tonight. I'm going to talk about what to do when you don't know what to do. What to do when you don't know what to do. And then the second part of the message is going to be what to do when you don't feel like doing nothing. You want people to leave you alone, stay out of your life. I'll show it to you in the Bible. What to do when you don't know what to do. And then what to do when you don't want to do nothing. When you don't want to do nothing, that's when you need desperately to learn the sacrifice of praise. It'll get you out of the pit and the prison of despair. I promise you, we'll talk about that tonight. But this morning, you're here this morning, we're going to talk about something that I believe will transform your whole life. On the Day of Atonement, for 20-something years, I've had this encounter with Jesus. This past Day of Atonement, the Lord pointed and said in the most urgent terms, Bobby, warn my people to flee this raging cloud. I looked in the horizon. I saw a cloud no bigger than a basketball. I said, God, how can you tell me that's a raging cloud? He said, Bobby, that cloud that's on the horizon has the propensity to steal every gift and every treasure I want to give my people. I said, what cloud is it? He said, it's a cloud of doubt. If the devil's doing anything, he's doing everything he can to steal your doubt, to steal your hope. And he's doing it with doubt. He told me, he said, the Lord said, tell them doubt is not benign. Doubt is a womb that gives birth to unbelief. So what we've got to do now is we've got to overcome doubt. Here's your, remember the verse in Proverbs, in it, Proverbs 13, 12? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when you get what you've been longing for, hoping for, it's a wellspring, a geyser uh, of life. And so the devil wants to steal your dreams, shatter your hopes. He really does. So he's doing everything he can. But Hebrews 10, say Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 35 says, don't fling away. Your hope, your steadfast confidence in God, because your steadfast confidence in God brings with it a great recompense and reward. One translation says, hang on to hope. It pays big dividends. And so we, we want to talk about hope. Yeah, I, like, I, like, I like the fact that God wants us to have strong, sure, unshakable hope. Don't you? Yeah. I tell you, and that's in Jesus. Amen. Now, if you don't have Jesus, you're, you're hopeless. Uh, you, you can amass all the wealth you can, but what is a man profited to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You understand that? You can't build your hope on earthly wealth. It can be gone just like that. Uh, Ezekiel 44.23. Ezekiel 44.23, it says, The job of the Zadok priest is to teach the people of God the vast difference between the profane and the holy, the worthwhile and the worthless. Ezekiel 44.23. Teach the people of God the vast difference between the profane and the holy, the worthwhile and the worthless. So I thought if I'm supposed to teach the people of God the vast difference between the profane and the holy, I want to find out what does he mean by profane. Ezekiel 44.23. Profane. It's a Hebrew word. Uh, Solomon used it when he says, Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Remember that? And I'll, I'll tell you the Hebrew word vanity that's, uh, that Solomon used. Take your right hand. Take your hand like this. Can you do that? Do this. Now open your hand. What you got? Nothing. The word vanity means trying to catch the wind. Trying to catch the wind. You always end up empty-handed. So the word vanity there means empty, worthless, no eternal value. Ezekiel 44, 23, teach the people of God the vast difference between the profane and the holy, the worthwhile and the worthless. So I said, okay, I've got it down. It's empty, worthless, no eternal value. And then Jesus appeared about where the pulpit is and about that distance from him. He said, Bobby, do you know my definition of profane? Instantly I knew I didn't. 
You know who's going to school when Jesus asks a question. I said, apparently not. I knew what the Hebrew book said, empty, worthless, no eternal value. Jesus said, do you want my definition of profane? You want me to tell you what he told me? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. It'll change your life. Here's what he said. He said, his definition of profane is this. You ready? Anything man is doing that God did not initiate. He says it's empty, worthless, no eternal value. No wonder Jesus Christ said, seek first, Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom. Then all these other things find their proper place. If we set in trying to build our kingdom, neglecting God's kingdom, it's, it's a tragedy, isn't it? If we'll build first his kingdom, he'll take Amen. care of our kingdom. You believe that? Yes. Say yes. yes sir. Well, anyway, so holding on to hope. Now, I'm going to give you three examples this morning. Y'all got time, haven't you? Yes, sir. How old are you? You told me a while ago. 18. I'm 73. I'll be preaching when I'm 120. There's a verse in the Bible you can live as long as you want to, or you can get old and swivel up like a pickle. I'll guarantee you there's a verse in the Bible that says you can live as long as you want to. I'm going to be preaching the gospel when I'm 120. I'm 73 now. I preach the largest youth conferences in the world. This is honest to God truth. I'm telling you guys, there's verses in the Bible. Well, I'll give you a little key if you want longevity. You want it? Yeah. Okay. People pay tons of money trying to stay young. Here it is. You ready? Paul, the apostle, he said, concerning communion, the Lord's Supper, if you participate in the Lord's Supper incorrectly, you get sick, weak, and die. Say negative. Every negative in the universe has a positive. Every negative in the universe has a positive. The negative, if you, could, if you receive communion incorrectly, you get sick, weak, and die. Turn it around. If you receive communion correctly, you have longevity, rejuvenation. You understand that? So, let's be honest now. We could drink all the wine in Barrington, eat all the bread in uh, Trenton or wherever, and still fall over dead. It is not in the bread and the wine. It's in the presence. That's where longevity is, in the presence. Psalm 16, 11 says, In His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Scripture says a merry heart does good like, like what? Medicine. A medicine. The joy of the Lord's are health, health and strength. That's what it says. You can Google it. Don't do it now. Doctors say if you have a good attitude, you can expect to live 35% longer. That's pretty good. So you better change your attitude. Have a good attitude. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, the key is you're going through it. Not one single time does he leave us in the middle of the mess. And if he does hesitate for a moment, he throws us a party. Psalms 23, he prepares a table before us in the present for enemies. Remember that? Why, sure. See, don't you like that? The devil throws all that stuff on you to get you away from God. And God's, God's using it to draw you closer. I like that, don't you? He prepares a table before us in the present. Well, anyway, let's talk about... Uh, uh, holding on to hope. I'll give you three, maybe two or three things uh, today. Uh, anyway, here's your great verse. Psalms 30, verse 5. Psalms 30, verse 5. It says, God's anger is but for a tiny moment. His favor is for a complete lifetime. One translation says, in his favor is life. But it says, here's the part you understand. Psalms 30, verse 5. God's anger is but for a tiny moment. Then it says, weeping may last through the night, but... Joy comes in the morning. And I want to tell you today, hold on, there's a new day coming. I want to share with you a couple incidences in the Bible where one day changed everything. One single day changed everything. You want to see it? 
All right. One of my favorite examples of one day changing everything. I'll have to introduce you to, to a man in the Bible. Uh, you may not have ever been introduced to him. I'm sure you hadn't. You probably have never been introduced to him the way I'm going to introduce you to him today. I want to introduce you to a man I call the nude, rude dude. <laughs> Say it. Nude, rude dude. He's in the Bible. To find him, you have to go to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Now, don't you love the Gospel of Mark? Love it. Every, every Gospel presents Jesus in a different genre. Now, the Gospel of Mark, the most repetitive word in the Gospel of Mark is this, straightway and immediately. It's a word, the Gospel of Mark is the Gospel that presents Jesus in action. That's why I love the Gospel of Mark. I never like scrimmage and warm-up. I like action, don't you? And so that's what the gospel of Mark is. So in Mark chapter 4, Jesus has uh, been teaching out on a mountainside. So he says to his disciples, his boys, get in the boat. We are going to the other side. So Jesus ends the message there, gets in a little boat with his disciples. Most of the disciples before they were disciples were what? Fishermen. They were used to wind, waves, and water. So they get in the boat. Jesus goes to sleep. The Bible says on a leather pillow. And he's asleep in the boat. And it says as they start across a little water, the little sea there. And it says that a, a big bad storm of hurricane proportion arose. And water was beating into the ship. Lightning flashing. Waves roared. And the disciples were so fearful. Oh, man. If you're reading this in the Greek, it is heavy drama. Man, they're screaming. And, and they scream at Jesus. Get up! Don't you care? We're going to drown. That's, that's the way it is. Now, I don't like the King James, this one, because the King James version of the Bible says, And Jesus arose and said to the wind, Peace be still. No, that ain't what he said. If you're reading it in the Greek, it is wild drama. It's high-pitched screaming. The disciples are fearful. They're afraid they're going to drown. And so they, they scream at Jesus, Get up! Don't you care we're going to ground, ground? And it says Jesus gets up and looks at the raging storm. And here's what he said. He, he didn't say peace, be still. He actually screamed from the depths of his spirit at the storm, the spirit behind the storm. He says, shut your mouth and lay down. He said a Greek word, get gagged. And he said the storm goes, Ow! and got as tranquil as glass. Now let's take a look at the boys. They were horrified of the storm. Now they're petrified of who's in their boat. What manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Now let's find out a couple of uh, mistakes the disciples made. What's a couple of flaws those boys that caused them to have such paranoia? Number one, they didn't listen to instructions from the word of God, the mouth of God. Get in. We are going to the other side. That's when you get in paranoia and panic is when you don't really believe what God said. I didn't hear anything in there about Coast Guard rescue, resuscitation. No, no. Get in, we are. And so anyway, number one mistake, they didn't listen to what came out of the mouth of God. Number two, they really didn't comprehend who was in their vessel. If we understand Christ in us, the assurance of glory, you understand it'll change our outlook on any perspective of life. But anyway... So they get in, and now they get to the other side. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. The little gangplank comes down, and it says, Jesus stepped off the gangplank, and it says, immediately, there's that word, immediately, 
There met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. The Greek word there means demonitsamaya. It means under the total control of devils. This man does not have one stitch of clothes on. He's been living up in the mountains and tombs. Scripture says in Mark chapter 5, night and day he slashes himself with stones. Suicidal, ripping his flesh, slashing himself, crying and screaming. He says, and no man could tame him. No. For night and day he would do this. He said often he had been bound with chains and fetters and the demonic power would burst them asunder. Now I'm going to tell you something. It said no man could tame him. And so he runs to Jesus, falls at Jesus' feet. There he is. Can't you imagine how he must have looked? No clothes on. Living unkept, uncared for in the tombs with dead, decaying bodies. Can you imagine the, the disease that was in him? The, the, the infection slashing himself with fresh wounds continually. And there he comes running, hair matted, terrible wounds, pus-ridden body. And he falls at the feet of Jesus. And you look at it in any, any way you want to. It says, and he paid homage. I already like this. All the demons in this guy couldn't stop him from doing what God gave him life to do. Worship the creator. You see that? And so Jesus begins a dialogue with him. He says, what is your name? And this guy says in a, in a hissing tone, my name is Legion, for there's a bunch of us. Wow. Now this is, let me tell you, there's no such thing as multiple personalities. It's one human, many demons. That's what's going on here. So he said, my name is Legion, for we're many. The Bible says, this is Mark 5, there's a whole bunch of hogs up on the hillside. And it says those demons in this man begin to negotiate with Jesus, saying, don't send us out of the country. Let us go into those hogs. And Jesus gave them permission to get out of the man, and they went in those hogs. Here's what it says. It said the hogs went crazy. It said they ran violently, uncontrollably, down a steep slope and fell into the ocean and were drowned about 2,000 of them. Wow. I call that, you know what that is? That's mass, mass swinicide. That's what it is. Mass swinicide. No other way you can look at it. Can't you see it? 2,000 bobbling dead pigs. Now, the guys that kept the pigs back then, they didn't have texting. If they'd had texting, they'd, they'd, they'd have probably didn't. Maybe periscope. They'd have probably periscoped the whole situation. But they didn't. They had to run into town and tell the pig owners, You better get out of here. Something's happening. So the pig owners come back to the situation. And they're... 2,000 pigs are dead. It says when they get there, they see the man who had previously been naked, suicidal, uncontrollable, seated, clothed in his right mind. And it says, and they were sore afraid. They're horrified. And it looks like they'd have thrown their hands up and go, glory to God, hallelujah. This maniac is now converted. No, no. That's not what the pig owner said. The pig owner said to Jesus Christ, get your stuff Get out of our land. It costs too much having you here. That's exactly what they said. Get out of our country. It costs too much to have you here. And so Jesus is getting his stuff. He only stays where he's invited. He's getting his stuff to get back in this boat. And the guy who had once been naked, suicidal, now is seated, clothed in his right mind, says to Jesus, 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 let me go with you. And Jesus said, no. You go back to your friends and your family. Show them and tell them and teach them what great things the Lord has done for you. And the Bible you hold in your lap says, And he went back to Decapitus. Decapitus means a ten-city region by the coastline. He went to Decapitus. And it says, He told and taught and taught and taught what? 
great things the Lord has done for him. And here's what your Bible says, and all men did marvel. Theologians tell us that means every person that heard him got converted. Woo! We're talking about, we're talking about what a difference one day can make. Let's look at it. What a difference one day can make. He woke up a maniac in a graveyard and he went to bed a missionary. Is that a change? Hold on to hope. What a difference one day can make. Woke up a screaming maniac in a graveyard, went to bed a missionary. Wow. What about you? I, I tell you, whatever situation, circumstance you're in, we got a God that can change it in one moment. I can show it to you over and over in the Bible. And so one day can change everything. That's, that's why it says weeping lasts through the night, but joy comes in the morning. God is trying to get us to the place where we'll embrace the dawning of a new day. You believe God has a new day for you? Yeah. I'll guarantee you, His mercies are new what? Every morning. Great is His faithful. Lamentation. Have you, ever, have you read Lamentation 3? It's dark and deep. Lamentation is dark and deep till you get down there to verse 20 and 21. Then it says, when I remember His mercies, I have hope. His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Aren't you glad God gets up every morning and pushes the reset button? Yeah. Woo, I am. His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Well, anyway, God got a lot of stuff to talk about. So you doing well? Good to see you guys. Carolyn said hello. My wife did. She likes it. She said, you remember when they carried us to that diner? Y'all carried us to some diner. Listen, she meets people. We'll, we'll run into people and she'll say, yes, we met you 16 years ago. Your little daughter had a toothache. I'm going, good God, have we ever seen these people? You know, she remembers what the girl had on and everything else. You, know, you had on that pretty polka dot skirt. Yeah. I'm going, I don't think I've ever seen them people, but she's got a mind like that. Yeah, good gracious. It's, yeah. She's something else. Oh, man. When we first started in Supernatural, my wife said, Bobby. I'll go with you anywhere God leads you. Well, I'll do anything God asks you to do. You ever get weird and start faking this, I'll be the first person to expose you. Woo! I like that, don't you? We need more of that, don't you think? Yeah, we do. We really do. Well, let's find out why you're here today. You want to? You may just perceive and think erroneously. You made up your mind to come. Well decided I'd come today. No, not according to the Bible. You're divinely coerced to be in that seat. The Bible you hold in your lap tells you that before God formed the whole earth, He wrote down that you'd be sitting in that seat. That's what it says. What? Yep. Before He formed this whole earth, he wrote down in one of his journals. This is Psalms 139, verse 16 and verse 17. It says, all of our days are written in his book before we've ever lived a single one of them. So this day was written in God's journal before he ever created the world. And so he wrote that you'd be sitting in that chair. You know what he says to tell you, this dear girl right here? He says to tell you to keep it up. It's worth the effort. You're, you have to fight to get here, fight to stay here. But I'm telling you, he says, tell you, it's worth the effort, okay? You'll reap benefits from it, okay? It's so much easier to go, I'm just not even going to come. But keep it up, okay? It's worth the effort. That's right. Well, I don't know. What about me? Does God have a word for me? Yes. They've got a whole book full of them for you. Here's a good one. And you started out. 
He's a very present help in the time of trouble. My favorite verse in the whole Bible. Y'all have favorite verses? My favorite verse in the whole Bible is Nahum, N-A-H-U-M, chapter 1, verse 7. Nahum, chapter 1, verse 7. They had to build a road to put my house on in Moravian Falls, and they named it Nahum. So I live on 665 Nahum Road in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Nahum means the one that brings consolation. And so uh, you, if you look up Nahum, chapter 1, verse 7, I'll tell you where I got that verse. I got it, well, I, I got it out of the Bible, but it was given to me in a very unique circumstance. Two of the guys that travel with me, we found ourselves in the Civic Center in Mexico City. They said there was 72,000 people in that room. I don't think so. I think they might have been 50,000, but it was absolutely packed to the hilt with people. And I'm doing ministry, and I'm standing down here at the front. It's all a round thing. And a man comes walking forward in that service, and he's Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. I'm working on English. I went to, I went to London, England, had to have an interpreter. That's the honest to God truth. I went to London, England, had to have an interpreter. You say, well, what language do you speak? Texican. I speak Texican. What's going to shock you if you ever hear God talks? He talks just like me. I'll tell you how he talks. You want to know? He talks exactly like you listen. John chapter 10, verse 3. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Anyway, so I'm down there in Mexico City. This guy comes. He's got a little baby on his arms, a beautiful little dark-haired, sparkling-eyed little girl. I suspect she's, I don't know, 18 months, something like just a tiny baby little toddler baby in his arms. I don't speak Spanish, but this guy is pleading with me. We'll say 50,000 people in this room. And this man, I'm looking at his eyes. He's pleading with me. And he's got this little girl, and she's turned sideways in his arms. And then I look down at her. Her, her, her hair is shiny, black, little baby, sparkling eyes. And then she turns her face like this. And she don't even have a face on this side. There's no face there. This was absolutely beautiful. No face here. You can see her throat. You can see her, you can see down through the side of her jaws here. Slava run all the way down her dress like this. I gasped. I mean, I gasped. And I said, Lord, what will you do? I'm in a civic center with thousands of people. I said, Lord, what will you do? When I said that, I'm not in the civic center any longer. I'm in that little girl's bedroom with her. But now she's maybe four, maybe five, but she's old enough now to know she's deformed. She's laying in her bed with her head down in a pillow, sobbing and screaming like this. Then the scene changes just like that, still in the little girl's room, but this time she's maybe 12, something like that. She's in the corner with her face buried against a a wall in the corner, screaming and crying. Scene changes again. She's maybe, I don't know, maybe 17, something like that, but she's a, a, a almost a a grown girl and she's standing on the street buses are going by cars and trucks are going by and she launches herself out in front of a woman and they just grind her to death I'm back in the civic center now there's a man with a little baby I am breathless I said Lord what do you want me to do he said I want you to stick your thumb out and I want you to take your thumb and rub it in the hole in her face I took my thumb right here and I rubbed it in the hole in that little girl's face and God grew the little girl a face just like that in a split second. My knees got so weak, it barely would hold me up. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, Bobby, do you know why I healed that little girl? And I said, no, Lord, I don't. He said, because I'm a good God. And he gave me Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those that are trusting him. From that moment on, Nahum 1, 7 has been my favorite verse in the whole Bible. I'm telling you guys, that little girl will never remember she was in a civic center. 
But if it hadn't been for the goodness of God, she'd have took her life when she, because of the great deformity. And see, God grew a face just like that in a split second. Now, I'm telling you, we got a God that's good. Psalms 55, 22 says, Casting all of your care upon Him because He cares for you. How do we know He cares for us? The cross. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man to lay down his life for his friends. See, the devil will try to tell you you're not special to God. But let me tell you something. The Bible said every time the devil speaks, he speaks a lie. Now, what is a lie? It's opposite of the truth. So if the devil says you're not important, you're, you're worthless, turn it all the way around. You're hyper-important to God, and you're very precious to him. I'll show you how precious you are to him. Psalms 139, again, Psalms 139, verse 15 and 16 says, God's thoughts towards us are weighty and precious. That's the same word for glorious. So God's thoughts towards us are weighty and precious. And then it says, the next verse, next verse says, His thoughts towards us are weighty and precious, and they're more numerous than the sands on the seashore. So what does that teach us? It says God thinks divine, glorious, heaviest thoughts for us continually. Isn't that wonderful? So He cares for us because He thinks about us. What does He think about us? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, I know my thoughts, I think toward you, declares the Lord. Thoughts of your success, not your failure. My intention is to bring you to a good end, not a dismal demise. I want you to get it deep in your heart. God cares for you. Maybe, you're, maybe your family doesn't care for you. Maybe you don't even care for yourself. But God loves you. And he's loved you with an everlasting love. What does everlasting mean? Never ending. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Everlasting means it continues no matter what you do. Uh, you know, parents sometimes tell their little children, you do that, God won't love you. That's not true. He'll never stop loving you. He loves you no matter, oh, it hurts his, it, it, when you sin, it breaks his heart. But he never stops loving you. Uh, I, I love what it says in Psalms 40. It says, I waited patiently upon the Lord, and he climbed unto me, heard my cry, he brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a solid rock. He established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto her God. It says, many shall see it in fear and shall trust the Lord. You believe you can't fall in a pit deep enough that God's grace can't pull you out. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a solid rock. Man, I love to watch God do redemption just transforms people. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. Wow. It says, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become bright and brand new. That's transformation, isn't it? So, yes. Don't, don't you love it? Oh, man. I could tell you story after story after story of triumphs of people's lives that's been changed. I could tell you story after story of people that had an opportunity and missed it. Years ago, oh, man, first missionary trip I ever took, I took to Seoul, Korea. This is, I'm talking about uh, 40-something years ago now. Uh, God said, I'm sending you to Seoul, Korea, and I'm going to put you before presidents. And I, I'd never been out of, out of America. So I didn't know anything about it. So uh, I didn't know it cost a whole bunch of money to go to Seoul, Korea. And so I found out it did. And so I stood before the church I pastored then, Rock Hill Baptist Church, a little church out in the country. And I said, God's going to send me to Seoul, Korea. It costs a lot of money. I don't have any money. So a woman that quilted and sold her quilts for money, she took a fruit jar, a little fruit jar, and she wrote on a 
a piece of paper, Korean Crusade, and she brought it and put it on a mourner's bench, a prayer altar we had there, and she stuffed her quilt money in it. And before that service was over, there was enough money came in that fruit jar for me to go to Seoul, Korea. That was a crazy trip, man. Good gracious. This is 40-something years ago. That's when they dressed up to fly. I put on a wool suit. Let me tell you a couple of things. Don't ever wear a wool suit to Korea. I wore a a wool suit on the airplane. So help me God, it ate the hair off my legs. I got there. I looked like I took a bath in there. You know what I mean? That that is a full wool suit. You know, Carolyn bought it at a garage sale. Yeah, it almost fit me, but it it uh it it ate the hair off my legs. But my my trip to Korea. And th- th- I remember, remember, I told you, God said, I'll put you before presidents. At that time, they had a president, Park, Kim Park. Sure enough, out of all the wranglings around, I get an audience with the president of what would be the president of Korea, uh, South Korea. They go in there. That's when they had big old television cameras way wider in that pulpit, you know. They had television cameras in there. They even brought a sofa for us to sit in. And the Lord had told me, said, when you stand before him, just preach a simple gospel. So I, I give the simple message for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I told him about how to receive Jesus Christ, the president of Korea. you never seen nothing like it. Here's what he said in a, a moment. He, he said, Reverend Connor, you have convinced me to receive your Jesus as one of my gods. Television cameras going off. They had flash bulbs in. And a big buzz in the room. And the Lord said, tell him no. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name given among men whereby you must be saved but Jesus. And Jesus said you had to tell him, No, he's the only way. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except by me. I said, No, sir, you can't do that. And you've never seen such a troubled face in your whole life. He thought for what seemed like an eternity, but it was a few minutes. And he looked at me and said, No, no, I will not turn my back on the gods of my ancestors. He got this close to heaven. I fly back to America doing my stuff. You can Google it. The president was coming off of an aircraft, got to the tarm- tarmac, stepped off of the airplane, and a maniac ran up, ran up, put a pistol on the side of his head, and blew the side of his head off. He, he's in hell right now while I'm talking, but he got this close to heaven. Wow. That's a tragedy, isn't it? Just a few years ago, I was back in Korea, and they was carrying me through a wax museum. I turned to Connor and so helped me. There's the president in full statue this close to me. I relived that thing in two seconds, you know. But, boy, isn't that a tragedy? That's a tragedy. So I'm telling you guys, it's not enough to hear the gospel. We must obey it. You know, it's not enough to nearly believe. We've got to commit ourselves to it. And you say, well, how how do I know if I'm really committed? The Bible says his spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we are a child of God. If you don't have Holy Ghost con- uh, confirmation of it, listen, don't depend on anything else. Well, I'm a good person. You're not good enough to get to heaven. There's none good, no, not one. We've got to be born again. So if you're not born again, this is the day that needs to happen. I promise you this, it'll never be easier than it is today. Every day we live without him, our hearts get harder and more callous. The Bible said, behold, today is the day. Now is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So I guarantee you, I was in a place in Europe, and I said, now, I don't want anybody to stand if you're not standing to receive Jesus Christ. And I made it very clear. Now, I'm on the platform with them. And I said, don't stand to your feet if you're not receiving Jesus Christ.
I said, now, anybody that wants to receive Jesus Christ, I want you to stand to your feet. So help me, God. The pastor putting on the conference stood up. I said, sir, did you not hear what I asked? I said, I am only asking people that are receiving Jesus Christ to stand. He said, Bobby, that's why I'm standing. He said, all my life I've tried to do enough to be received of Jesus. And now I realize it's by faith. You can't, Titus says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. We can't do enough good to outweigh the bad. We have to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Isaiah 1 18 says, Come on now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. And uh, the man that put the comfort zone got born again. Wow. See, he knew a lot about Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus. That's a tragedy, isn't it? Remember, there's a guy in the Bible, he said, Lord, Lord. We've prophesied in your name. In your name, we've done many wonderful works. And Jesus has to say, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. Wow. So let me ask you this point blank question. Are you born again? Listen to this. We're one of those away from eternity. Wow. One second after your heart stops, it's too late. Wherever you're prepared for, we're not coming back. We don't get a do-over. You know, those religions teach, well, you can come back as a hog, a log, a dog, and get second shot. No such thing as reincarnation. No such thing. That's a lie of the devil. One shot, one shot only. It is appointed unto man once to die after this is a judgment. Are you born again? Now, nobody in this room knows that but you. Is that true? But I'm telling you, if you're not born again, this is the time to do it. You say, Bobby, I don't understand enough about it. Not one place in the Bible says understand it. I can show you verses that quit, says quit attempting to use human, human intellectuality to figure out spiritual, spiritual principle. Remember John, John chapter 3, Nicodemus, root of the Jews, same came to Jesus by night, said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God. Nobody pulled this off except God be with him. And what does Jesus say to him? You must be born again. And Nick said, what? You mean I've got to enter a second time into mommy's tummy? And Jesus said, marvel not. That means quit attempting to use human intellectuality to figure out a spiritual principle. Because you can't do it, can you? You get saved by faith. But it's so simple, anybody can do it. He said, the way of salvation is so simple, a wayfaring fool need not ear therein. That's what the verse says. I said, God, give me that in Texican. The plan of salvation is so simple that a wayfaring fool need not hear therein. I said, give me that in text again. He said, tell the people if they've got enough sense to get back to the house, they've got enough sense to get saved. That's what that verse means. Yeah. So you're born again. Everybody in here, as far as you know, born again. Well, that's great. Now, let me ask you this. Are you living like it? We've got to let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. You don't have good works to get saved. You have good works because you are saved. You believe that? Now, are you praying for your lost loved ones? This is the year the lost loved ones come back in. This is the year the prodigals get back in. I'm telling you, I'll tell you, you can get in that shepherd's rod I just handed out. I, I heard a clamorous, a clamorous crowd of people. I said, God, who is this happy crowd of people coming? He said, that's the prodigals coming back to a festive feast in Father's house. A pro, the prodigals coming back to a festive feast in Father's house. Isn't that something? In the shepherd drought again, I wrote for 20, 20 the one that's out here on the, on the table. Uh, I saw an eagle sitting on a nest, a big, massive uh, eagle, just like you'd think massive, 
bald, white head sitting on a nest. And the Lord said, watch this. Beautiful eagle eggs, nest full of eagle eggs. Finally, the eagle mounts up out of the nest, soars like this, and there's the little eagles. I was, they were full grown, hatched out full grown. I was stunned and disappointed. I want to see massive eagles. The eagles were no bigger than my fist, full grown. I mean, a whole nest full of them, solid white, no bigger than my fist like this. And I said to God, God, that's not what we need. We need massive eagles. He said, you don't understand what you need. He said, look at the talons on these eagles. Oh, my goodness. The most precise talons you've ever seen in your life. Most intricate, able to pick up the smallest thing. And God says, you need those eagles now turn loose in the body of Christ. I said, tell me why. He said, what's the names of the devil? Have you studied the Bible, the names of the devil? There's, there's Lucifer. There's Abaddon, Apollyon, which means death and destruction. There's the old dragon, the prince of the power of the air, different names. All of them are ominous. Om- they... they Strike fear in you. And then you get down to Beelzebub. Beelzebub. That's one of the names of the devil in the Bible. It means the Lord of the flies. And the Lord said, I have released these eagles to take care of the lava of Beelzebub. He said, a fly can kill an elephant. I said, God, a fly can't kill an elephant. He said, yes, it can. Unheal wound. Elephant gets an unhealed wound. Fly comes in, contaminates the wound. Infection spreads, kills the whole elephant. See, Beelzebub, his lies. And unhealed wounds in your heart. And these eagles God is releasing to the church will take those small talons and catch the larva, the little egglets, the little hatched egglets of these lies from the devil and snatch them away. Isn't that good? I said, God, send them out. Yeah, so you'll study about it. Get the shepherd's rod. You'll study about it. The devil lies to you about who you are and what God is capable of doing in your life. He can do anything through you. You know that, don't you? He really can. And so uh, I I want you to grasp who you really are. You're you're unstoppable in Jesus. Romans 8.37 says, Yet amid all these things we're super victorious. He had to come up with a new word called Hooper Nike. Super overcomer. Well, that's good. We better... We better mess around a while. You want to? What do you do? Network administrator. What? A help desk network administrator. A network administrator. You don't work with computers or nothing, do you? You know that little thing that blinks? That little thing that blinks, they call it a cursor. <laughs> Look out now. Oh, man. I, the technology is going fast, isn't it? I can talk on this watch. Isn't that crazy? This watch will tell me, get up, you've been sitting too long. Thumpy. My wife don't even talk to me that way. It's crazy. I was in my deer stand down in Texas, in the woods, in the deer stand, and my cell phone rings. It's a pastor from Dubai in India going, Brother Bobby, I'm going to buy a $50 million rubber plantation. Please pray. I go, good God, I'm down in a deer stand in Texas. How am I talking to a pastor from Dubai in India? Technology is something. So I said, okay, I'll pray. <laughs> Put my, took my phone back in my coat. and I said, oh, Lord, what do you want me to 
say to this pastor, what's the deal? And I saw puppets. I said, God, no, what you want me to say to him? I said, all I see is puppets. He said, call him back and tell him, don't do the deal. Too many strings attached. So I thought, I don't want to call from my deer stand, use up all my data minutes. I'll call him when I get to the landline at the house. So I'm sitting there deer hunting. About 45 minutes goes by. And then my phone buzzed again. So I picked it up and he goes, Hello, Brother Bobby. I said, Yes. No need to pray. Lord said, Don't do the deal. Too many strings attached. I said, That's it. Saved my data time and he got he got a word from God. Isn't that good? Yeah. Pretty wild though. But he was a pastor from Dubai, and uh, they're getting a lot of Muslims saved. And the Muslims try to kill the Muslims. So then they, he was moved them to India to work in a rubber plantation and, and getting them repatronized. Isn't that good? So that's what he's going to do. But the guy that was doing the rubber plantation was uh, not very ethical. Anyway, isn't God doing something? Well, we've got to get out of here in a moment. But tonight, I want you to come. We're going to talk about what to do when you don't know what to do. And you may be here and say, well, brother. I don't need a message like that. Well, you're an idiot. (laughs) I'm laying it out. If you're so deceived, you think you can't get in a situation that's above your pay raise. I promise you this. I promise you. I stand on the Bible and I promise you. God himself will see to it. You get in a circumstance that's beyond your ability to solve. God himself will do it. He'll get you in a circumstance. I'll prove it to you tonight. I show you straight from the Word of God that God Himself will get you in a dilemma, a calamity that's so big you'll have to go, huh? Yeah. But He does it not to hurt you, but to help you. See, God's always trying to teach us and train us how to survive. And so we'll talk about that tonight. What to do when you don't know what to do and then what to do when you don't want to do nothing. Yeah. You ever been that way? Most time when you're wounded and mad, you want them to leave you the hell alone. <laughs> leave me alone! We shut God out of our life even. That's why it says in the book of Hebrews, provoke people not to stop the assembly of the saints together, especially as you see the day approaching. Stir them up to come to church. But when they're mad, they don't want to come to church. They don't want to get a call from the pastor or the prayer team. Mind your own business! I say, I am. You know. <laughs> My business is to tend to the flock. I like how God puts you in people's business, don't you? Oh, Lord. I pastored for 26 and a half years, and one time I get a call from a guy we had led to Jesus, out, lived out at a trailer park. Uh, Charles Turner was his name. He goes, Pastor, you got to come out here. There's a, something going on. I said, okay. So I drive out there to Charles' house. I said, Charles, what is it? He said, the house over there said, there's a man threatening to kill his wife. I thought, oh, Lord, you ought to call the police, not me. And he said, I know you'll want to go over there. You can stop it. I didn't want to go over there. But I thought, okay, I didn't want to set a bad example on a new convert. You know what I mean? So I go over there and I step up on the, I step up on the porch of a trailer house there in Texas in a lake edition. You never heard such language in your life. There's a man behind that door, and he is, he, listen, he's screaming to his wife, I'm going to blow your bleak, 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 you know, just all kind of, I'm ripping your. <sighs> I thought, oh, Lord. Uh, Charles is looking out the door to see. So 
wham, wham. I knocked on the door. Oh, Lord. This guy ripped the door off the hinge nearly, and he's sopping wet. His, his shirt is, and pants are already sopping wet. He's in a full-blown demonic attack, man. There's his little wife and kids. They're scared to death on a couch, and this guy has just tore the whole house up. I said, what's going on here? <laughs> I, I probably said, what's going on here? <laughs> what's going on here? He said, I'll tell you what's going on here. I'm fixing to rip her guts out. I'm fixing to blow her guts now, you know, uh, I wanted to say, let's pray about this. But guess what? Guess what came out of my mouth? Yeah, I, said, I said to him, you're going to shut your mouth. Sit down on that couch. You're not shooting anybody. I'm telling you like a scold puppy. This, kid's, this guy's eyes got big like that. And he went to learn to sit on the couch and sit there. And we laid him to Jesus Christ. Sitting on the couch. I mean, went from a main maniac to, to led him to Jesus Christ. Led his kids and his... Well, crazy. This guy turned out to be an artist and travels all around the world doing photography. Isn't that crazy? And he, he makes uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, shots of stuff, and they sell it for uh, calendars and stuff like that. But, you know, see, now, I didn't want to get involved in that. But, see, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You understand that? Yeah. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Yeah, you say now, Bobby. I, I don't want. I don't want. I, I don't want any kind of confrontation. Well, I would suggest you get out of church. We're headed for confrontation, aren't we? We got to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Well, anyway, here's what God told me. He said, Bobby, he won't lie to me. He said, Go where I tell you to go. That would be Barrington. Do what I tell you to do when you get there. I'll give the people whether they want it or not an impartation from Hebrews thirteen twenty and twenty one. So you're going to get an impartation today, whether you want it or not, from Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. That verse says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the everlasting, never-failing covenant, make you perfect. Give you everything you need to accomplish the task you're sent to do. So I looked up the Hebrew word, the, the Greek word, make you perfect, and it means missing no component. Everything you need, you have. Isn't that wonderful? Everything you need, you have. You believe that? Yeah. You believe he's going home with you? He's going home with you. You believe he wants your whole lineage line saved? Yeah. Acts 16, 31 says, You shall be saved and your whole house. Yeah. We're not talking about shingles and chimney. We're talking about your whole descend, de, descendant line. You can be the light that brings him into Christ. Amen. Yeah. So I, I want you to realize... God is going to save people. The next big move of God coming is going to be a move of evangelism. The Lord told me, he said, I'm bringing. I'll tell you what happened. You want to hear it? Yeah. I, was in a, I was in a big old meeting in the Coliseum, and a, a, a silver sh sheet went flying through the room just like that, just like a carpet flying through there. I said, God, what is that? He said, oh, that's the spirit of evangelism I'm putting on the church. So when I said it, nine adults jumped up, ran forward, fell on their knees, and got born again just like that. Just at the proclamation that God was releasing, releasing the spirit of evangelism. So we're going to see more people saved in the next few months than we've seen saved in our lifetime. You know what's going to happen? Desperation. For decades now, two decades now, the Holy Spirit's been fanning the flame of discontentment within the hearts of the saints of God. So we won't settle for what, less than what God wants to give us. So what you feel in your heart is a divine disturbance. He won't let you embrace less than what God wants to give you. What does he want to give us? The kingdom. The kingdom. He's looking for somebody to run this thing. How old are you? 
Yeah. 17. That's about two years older than Mary was when she gave birth to Jesus. Wow. See, we think, well, I'm too young. Or some of you think you're too old. For those of you that think you're too old, you ought to read Psalms 92, 10 through 16. You'll be full of sap in your old age, bearing fruit, stable, firm. That's what it says the Bible. I did a seniors uh, on the front line thing. Wow, good, Lord. Lord told me, said, there's going to come such a move of God to the senior, senior saints, to the young people to beat a path to nursing homes, convalescent homes to get the wisdom from these older people. Won't that be something? That's right. They would sit at their feet, drink in the wisdom. Isn't that good? So 17, God bless you. Not you. I, well, I, God bless you too, but uh, 17 was years ago, you know. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. You go, what are you doing? I'm knocking yokes off that's not from God because his yoke is easy and his burden's light. That's what I'm doing. That's right. That'll be good for you too. His yoke is easy and his burden's light. You believe you're going to get your prayers answered? I'll answer that for you. Yes. You've moved into 2 Corinthians 6 2. This is a time of favor, a time of an assured answer from God. Okay? 2 Corinthians 6 2. It's a time you'll get your prayers answered. That's a good thing. What about me? Well, the Bible says you can claim that word. The scripture said it's of no private interpretation. Well, he's going to help you. The Lord's going to build a shield around you. What's your name? Dawn? Well, I believe it'll be a dawning of a new day for you. I believe God's going to help you. You believe that? You believe that? He really is. Can I rub you on the head? It'll rub you on the head. You say, well, what will that do? It'll release her from a spirit of fear. And you're going you're gonna to enjoy living. Life's going to take on a whole new look for you. It's going to go from pale gray to vivid color. Lord, I thank you for Dawn. I break every spoken word curse of her life in Jesus' name. Every scream and everything that the enemy's done. Well, Lord, I thank you. I release to her the peace of God. The wonderful peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. So that's what you're going to get, the peace of God. Isn't that something? Money can't buy it, but it's Isaiah 26.3. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon God. Okay? Good. God bless you. Well, you say, now, Bobby, you don't know that girl. I know more about her right now than she knows about herself. You know? That's right. She'll have, she'll love life. Enemy tries to tell people, oh, just just destroy yourself. Nah. You know why the devil says that? Because he realizes God has a great destiny. That's right. That's true. And I want to draw you something. Hold this thing. I'll draw you something. Okay. You don't mind that, do you? Nope. Nah. Sometimes I write in tongues. But why don't you just make, make a little mark and I'll draw you something. Now watch. You'll learn something. Just any. That's a little mark. It's an X. Okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm from Texas. I'm going to draw me a happy cowboy. No. Yes. <laughs> can you see it? I can. Yes. Okay, I it's a, I'll give you a verse, okay? Uh, Psalms. I, mean, I am writing in tongues. 1611. <laughs> Psalms 1611. That says in his presence is fullness of joy. I'm, see, I, one thing about me, I'm happy. So I'm a happy cowboy, you know. You see that? That's right. Well, that's good. Now, I'll tell you something. There's something about you that has a, a, a creative thing. And God says there's, he's going to release new ways of doing old things. Anything that's been done once, there's a better way to do it. So he's releasing things. Anything that's been done once, there's a better way to do it. You understand that? 
And there's a verse in the Bible that says, witty inventions. One translation says, smart plans that work out. So if you'll listen to God, he'll show you new ways of doing old things. It'll be very uh, revolutionary, and it'll be very uh, uh, lucrative money-wise. Example, example, frog tape. There's a, a guy who uh, was pulling out some duck, some uh, blue tape, and he heard my voice, and God says he's releasing new ways of doing old things. So he said, is there a new way to do this? And God said, yes, and gave him technology for what's called frog tape, the green tape you see in the stores right now. God gave him that through a word of God's releasing new ways of doing old things. Yeah, isn't that so? That'll be good. What do you do? Heating and air conditioning. I'm kind of in the same business. I try to set the atmosphere. Change the... You believe you're all divine thermostats? Sure you are! Remember Acts 16? Paul and Silas was in prison, but at midnight they prayed and sang praises. Changed the whole atmosphere in the prison, didn't it? Sure did. What's your name? Danny. How old are you? 14. 14. God bless you. You're about Daniel's age when they carried him off captive. Remember him in the Bible? He made a choice that you ought to make. He said, I'm not going to wreck myself with what's wrecking the community around me. And he ended up ran the show. You ought to study the man Daniel in the Bible. Daniel, the word Daniel means my God judges well. And he does, doesn't he? That's true. That's true. Yeah, I like this guy over here. I'm coming after you. <laughs> he said, oh, God. That's why I got here on the back. Thought he wouldn't see me. <laughs> Let's visit. You want to? I want to call somebody. Is this your phone? Yeah. What's your name? Julio. Julio. I'm yeah. Bobby. You want to draw something? Uh, yeah. Listen, I may want to call somebody on your phone. What do you think? Yeah, it's a smartphone. I know nothing about it. Okay. Okay, I'll just call somebody. Recent. I can call a recent. Okay, I don't know where it is. This is a bone for the church. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to King of Kings Worship Center. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they, they don't need to hear a message. <laughs> well, they might. Yeah. I want to leave them a message. Well, that's three for the youth pastor. Let's do that. Three. Okay, I'm giving them Jeremy's burden. Yeah. Jeremy picked me up at the airport this week. Huh. I'll talk to him about that. leaving a message I don't know what this thing I'm sweating all over your phone <laughs> hey Jeremy this is Bobby Connors I just I'm down here at uh, Barrington and picked up a phone thought I'd give you a call I got somebody I, it could be somebody from St. Croix or somewhere like that but that's the guy that picked me up there for hmm. Jeremy yeah. so how do you know him I better hang up the phone I don't know him you don't know him <laughs> well apparently I called his number well, I, I called him. I oh, called the him. church. The church. Oh, good. See there? 
So what do you do with your life? Tell me about it. Well, I'm an operations admin in FedEx. Operations what? Administrator. Admi what are you administrating? Tell me about it. Um, at what? FedEx. At FedEx. FedEx, you the guy that lost my package. <laughs> oh, man. No, that's, a, that's something. God bless you. You know there's a call of God on you, don't you? You know that, don't you? You know you can you you hear things about people in here, not up here, and God wants you to use that. You're going to be a great encourager to people. You're going to see the good in some of the worst. You'll be able to see good in some of the worst of people. Okay, you'll see past all the wounds to the wonder of God in them. That's really true, and you'll be able to lead a lot of people to Jesus. I'm serious about it. God bless you. Let me. I can get no change your whole life. That's the verse God told me to teach my grandkids. So, so, so I taught them that. I could call them right now. The King James says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought after thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. You think two little rednecks from Texas are going to memorize that? Heck no. So I can call them and I can go, Hey, how can a young man live a clean life? And they'll say, By obeying the Bible. So that's good. God bless you. You never dreamed I'd come back here and talk to you, did you? But he's going to really reveal secrets to you, you know, to help people, okay? Strategies, and it'll be good. Remember, I talked to this kid about Daniel. Daniel 2.22 said, there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. If you ever study Daniel chapter 2, that's when the king said, you better tell me my dream and the interpretation of it. If you don't, I'm going to cut you up in little pieces, throw you out in the street. And so Daniel said, ooh, we better seek God. And that's when God gave him the secrets of the king's heart. Well, so good. Well, we're back here now. You doing good? What's your name? Glenda. Hi, Glenda. I'm Bobby. I'm glad you're here today. Can I rub you on the forehead? It'll be okay. Good. You know the Lord really does love you. He really does. I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to dote over you. He's jealous over you. Okay? He's jealous over you. God is jealous over you. You believe that? I guarantee you he is. Yep, and he'll, he'll protect you. You get Psalms 91.11. Psalms 91.11 says, The angels of God encamp around those that fear God. And they draw a circle. They, they, they surround you. Okay? That's a good thing. It is. She goes, Oh, I hope you don't start on me. I've been on you the whole service. That's true. Yeah. Here's what he says to you. Just keep it up and see what happens. Just keep up. Keep up praying and saying, God, I'm turning this over to you. Just keep it up and see what happens. You believe he's dangling keys for you? He's giving you keys to unlock some heavenly treasures for you. Keys are good. Yeah. You're pretty stubborn, but it's going to work out. I'm serious. I think it's probably from, I don't know, you could be ancestrals from Irish or somewhere like that. But, but uh, really, it's going to be good. Because when you get something in you, you won't give it up. You'll be like a bulldog. The word's tenacious. My football coach one time said, One thing about Connor, he's got tenacity. I didn't know what I had. I thought my, something would give up on him. But you got tenacity. Once you get a truth, nobody will shake you off of so that's a good thing. Well, let's pray and we'll get out of here. You want to? 
That's fun to talk to people. I enjoyed the kid back there. Yeah. And called the guy that picked me up at the airport. Yes, yeah, down here in Newark. Oh, man. You, the traffic coming out of the Newark airport, that'll get you praying in tongues. Yeah. Good Lord. At 5 o'clock. That's when, that's when my plane, land, plane landed. Well, anyway, here, I want to pray for you. Okay. That's right. That's okay. What about it? It's going to be okay, isn't it? Yeah. She goes, I don't know. It's going to be all right. Father, I want to thank you for the blood of Jesus. I want to thank you for the fact that you have applied your blood over our life. And we thank you, Father, for the relationship you've built with us. And we thank you for the people that are here today. I pray that you would just rapture our hearts and draw us so close to you. We'll feel the rhythm of your heart. We'll smell the fragrance of your life, Lord. We want to know what it is to be caught up and caught away in the presence of God. Lord, Moses asked you a question that all of us ask you. Lord, we want to see your glory. And you put him in a cliff, in a rock by you. And he saw your goodness. Lord, reveal your goodness to your people. We thank you for this now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Have you ever read a verse and you couldn't figure it out? It says that Moses saw the sufferings of Christ and deemed it for far more valuable than all the opulence and riches of Egypt. I don't know about you, but that's a long vision. He saw, you had to read all the way to the book of Hebrews to see what it was. And the secret is, is when God put him in the cleft of the rock and he said, I'll show you my back. He saw the sufferings of Christ, the back of Jesus. By his stripes we are healed. Isn't that something? He said, I'll show you my goodness. And the goodness of God toward us is the suffering of his son. Isn't that something? He that withheld him not, do we know he'll give us all things. Well, we got to go, hadn't we? What are we going to talk about tonight? You remember? I can't think. Oh, what to do when you don't know what to do and when you don't want to do something. When you don't want to do nothing. <laughs> Have you ever been so hurt you didn't want to do nothing? Yeah. Yeah. I'll show it to you in the Bible. It's, it's one of the most traumatizing verses you'll find in the Bible. When you get so devastated. Yeah. But there's always a way up and out. He won't leave you hopeless. I'll guarantee you that. He'll swoop in and bear us up on eagle's wings. You believe it? That's true. I like that family back there. I'm serious. She ought to draw divine design passions. That's what that girl ought to draw. You ought to get her a pencil and she could draw dresses and blouses and skirts and stuff like that. Yeah. She said, no, I couldn't. Yeah, you can. Anyway. That's true. We got to go. You ready? Adios. I don't know how this works. Were you blessed today? Yeah. Hey, hey, Bobby. Thank you, Bobby. You know this, Bobby. Wait, he will I, sign I, books today. Uh, wait, can when I just we, share this one thing? When Bobby was talking about that silver. Silver line. The silver sheet. Silver sheet that was going through the atmosphere. You know, you guys all know this, don't you? What's silver? Redemption. Redemption, yeah. That's why he saw that. Come silver. on, you know that, right? You guys, now you know it. Say, I know it. I know it. I know. Now, what it is? What label? What it, it, it is? <laughs> That's silver not Texican. is redemption. You know, when God gave us the logo, 
he said this to us, and I always thought, oh, you always got to have gold. I saw the logo for our ministry. God gave it to me in a vision, and it was like a, a, a um, vision inside I was reading, seeing, but it was so clear the way it came, and I saw this word that was open, and it was a Bible, and it was just open. It was a, oh, it was a scroll. That was it. Sorry, you're right. A scroll. And it Don't was, forget anything I that's remember. That's right. The scroll was being unfolded, and it turned into the Word, the Bible. Okay? Thank you. You're welcome. And then the next thing I saw was a dove that came right down on top of this scroll, the Word. But this is what was so interesting about it. The dove came down with such... It wasn't like in, in, in a fierceness or anything else. It just descended upon the word and then the next thing i looked at the this dove and the dove had such compassion on it but it was looking up and what did jesus say jesus said i only say what my father is saying i only do what i see my father doing and so it is with the holy spirit so his face was looking up and there was such compassion on his face and the next thing was flames of fire. His wings turned into flames of fire. The power, anointing, baptism of the Holy Ghost that I believe is going to come upon the church yes. like never before. Amen. God promised it. Amen. He promised it. And then the next thing was I saw silver coming off the breast of the dove dripping onto the word. And I didn't understand that. I thought, it should be gold. And the Lord kept showing me the silver. And I went, wow. And then I, through studying and researching it, I saw that God was anointing. There's an anointing on his word. But we're in, his, in him, in his word. And there's an anointing for us to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To set at liberty those that are bound. Amen? And that was the silver anointing. So, we're in for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Last, I'm going to share a little bit yesterday uh, before I dismiss you and, uh, in the presence. We were in the meeting yesterday, and uh, Bobby was ministering, and somebody's phone went off. He went, hey, let's get that. Now, he's preaching the minister of the word, and he comes over, and he gets a guy's phone, and he said, eh, who's, that? who's calling? And he says, he gets, he says, hello. Yeah, this is Bobby Connor. Uh, you interrupted us. We're in a meeting. I'm preaching. And uh, who are you calling? John? John? Yeah, John's right here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Sa- who? Salvatore. Okay. Uh, well, listen, Salvatore, um, yeah, we have this word going on here. And they said, I'm you interrupting the meeting and all, and I'm preaching. But uh, your phone, the phone went off, so uh, we figured we'd answer it. And, uh you know, I just want to see if God had something for you. Oh, well, yes, he does. And uh, uh, this is the day the Lord has made, and you are to rejoice and be glad in it. There it is. Salvatore says, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Salvatore said, thank you, thank you. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to tell Listen, you what. You never know. what. Don't ever put God in a box. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, guys, you know, you guys got. Listen, this is going to be. I believe there's going to be such in this whole anointing and wave. You have Woo. to learn to be spontaneous. Yeah. I mean, we walk up in the in the airport. I will take my my suitcase 
and or my little carry-on, and I'll, I'm walking next to my husband. Next thing, I'm just walking over to people and just talking to them to see what I could strike up, if there is anything to strike. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what you do. You just get next to them, and maybe they're not. Maybe it's something, you know, or may, you maybe know, Smith, it's just we, something to yeah. bless. Smith Wigglesworth said, if God's not moving me, I move him. Yeah, this is so funny. <laughs> we just went to Florida, you know, not uh, just a few months ago. We get off the plane, and who, or no, we're sitting in the plane, and who comes and sits it's next important. to us? Now, Bob, yep. can I share this? So when Bob got born again, he used to come over to our house all the time. He was like like our kid in the Lord we were back all then, but, you know, not too far A little bit more age. youthful in that 1980. And, yeah, and I used to do some canning. You know what canning is, anybody? You know, you put things in the jar, save it, preserve it, put it up on the shelf. Why well, had a shelf in the kitchen that was there for about four years? Some of it years. was edible, and a portion of it was only decorative. Botulism. These but, guys would come over to our house. But my just man to... ate anything that was visible. Now, we weren't home. And they knew our front door was open. They would just come in. They start pulling those cans down and eating them. There's botulism in that stuff. That stuff was so bad. I hope and you I prayed. So anyway, so we get off the, or on the plane, you and me, and who sits next down or sits down next to us? Bob. And Bob, we haven't seen Bob for a while. And Bob sits down next to us. Hey! And it was kind of like that. And I was like, huh? And I looked over and here it was Bob. So he goes on to tell us about how the his gas uh, oven blew up on him. Was it gas oven? Blew up on him. And he had water, hot, heater. water heater. And you had third degree burns? Second. Second, third? Half your leg. Oh, how are you doing? You doing good? Hair's grown back. Oh, yeah, that's what I Mine is, too. I looked at him, and I said, Bob, you have, I said, Bob, you have a new look. What are you doing? Is it a new hairdo? I'm like, what's going on? His eyebrows are gone. His hair's yes, gone. Yes, the explosive the leg, hair on the leg's gone and all that stuff. You know? <laughs> so when we get out, yeah, he's hobbling along. And we said, here, give us your stuff. We'll take it. And he said, no, no, no. No, we'll take it. And then there's a wheelchair. Here, get in the wheelchair. <laughs> and we wheel them all over. And it's like... Just wheel them into people. Here's what's really cool. Can I tell them this, Bobby, real fast? Well, Listen, you're going to anyway. I'm, so I'm going to share it. this with you because this is what is so cool. So we uh, flew into Florida another time, and this is the beginning of this year, sometime February something. April. Time? April? Oh, thank you. April. And um, it's about 1 o'clock in the morning, 1.30. We had to get up about 3.30 in the morning to get ready to catch our flight. And I wasn't sleeping. I thought, Lord, i got to go to sleep. So I closed my eyes. That helps. Okay, so I closed my eyes, and when I closed my eyes, immediately came the face, and a lot of you in the church, you know this, but some don't, but the face of the passion of the Christ, Jim Caviezel came to my, right in front of my face, like right in my mind, and I went, oh, okay, I don't have to pray for Jesus, so I prayed for Jim, just for a couple seconds, bam, and that was it, and then here comes Mel Gibson, right in front of my face, and I really started praying for Mel, Mel stayed there. And I kept praying and praying. I prayed in the Holy Ghost because I didn't know what to pray for. But I started praying in the Holy Ghost. That was it. And I went off to sleep. Woke up at 3.30. Felt okay. So 
got to the airport, got on a plane, did our stuff. We usually have this woman, an older woman, she comes and picks us up. And um, she has some health issues, so we kind of tried to hurry up to get out there, you know, to her. But we had a, uh, a luggage, and so we want to go, um, we just, kind of, when we got Going off the, the plane, we, that's right, when we, no, when we got off the plane, we're kind of just dragging our feet, you know, like, we usually are in. Carol's got one speed, slap, and it's above the speed limit. Yeah, it's like, come on, let's slap this into gear, we got to get there, let's get it done, you know. And I said, hey, hon, I have to go to the ladies' room. So I go in, and I come out, and I start fussing over, you know, and put my lipstick on. I'm doing my hair and all this. Usually I'm like, bam, bam, bam. I come out, my husband, he's by the men's room, and he's there talking to somebody. So I just walk over and just kind of nonchalantly waited for him and all this. And it wasn't like, hon, come on, Joyce is out there. we got to get going. It was just this, you know, it's funny how God orders your there steps. There was a shalom. God orders your steps. And we don't realize a lot of times how God's ordering your steps. But if we slow down a little bit, we'll see how God ordered the steps. And so we just kind of looked at each other, and he said, are you ready? And I said, yeah, let's go. So we started walking, and there's this little ramp in the airport that you have to go up. And I just looked at him, and he looked at me. It was just like we just knew, and we said we got to slap it in gear. So there was this guy that was walking in front of us, and he has a backpack on, and he's texting and all this stuff. And I went, I looked at him. He looked at me, nodded, and we thought, okay, we're going to go past this guy, you know. So we started walking real fast. We get next to him. I'm here. My husband's here, and this guy's here. And my husband just looks over, and he goes, Jim Caviezel. And he, Jim Caviezel? Jim Caviezel. And he looked, and he over, looked over, and he said, yes. Yeah. I said, Ray Shannon. <laughs> and he, shake, he said, Ray Shannon. Started shaking his hand. <laughs> and, and I said, and as I was shaking his hand, I said, thank you. For putting your career at risk for playing that part of Jesus in the Passion. And you know and what his he response looked and was? He, he didn't say, you're welcome. He said, do you know that Christians are being persecuted all over the world? And he just immediately shifted into gear. He was so focused. Bobby, I'm telling you, it was. He was so focused <laughs> on what was going on. And he said that <clears throat> Americans are, are not, not ready, ready and the, the church is not ready for what's coming to America. And we said, we know. He said, no. And he repeated again. We said, we know, Jim. And we got talking to him, went down to the luggage. And, usually and that was before the Supreme Court made the decision of oh. same-sex marriage. And he said, persecution is going to come through. That decision. That decision. There's going to be a lot of persecution. That's not the only thing. We get down to the luggage. We're going down the escalator. And he said, I don't know where my... Uh, luggage claim or where, which one I should go to. And Ray said, um, well, let me see your ticket. So he looked. He said, hey, you're going to the same one we are. We're on two different airlines. So we go. We're talking about 40 minutes. Our luggage stopped. I, I finally glanced over. I got jet lag and sleep lag, you know, or whatever, <laughs> deprivation or whatever you call it. And so I look over and I just went, oh, there's our luggage. Oh, people are coming out to take luggage off. Oh, I better go get that. Still not remembering what happened a few hours before. And I just said to him, I said, um, I, I was walking over to get the luggage. They were busy talking. I said, I said, Father, what's the deal? I said, what's going on here? And then he made me recall everything that happened. And I went like this. I, I, I walked back to Jim Caviezel, and I said, Jim, listen, I know a lot of people come up to you and start saying, God showed me this, God showed me that. I said, but I got a question. 
like, I, all I wanted to do was go to sleep, and you were not on my mind. And I said, and just that picture came. I said, sorry, I only prayed for you about a couple seconds. And then Mel Gibson came. I said, what's the deal? And he looked at me, and he said, Mel? And I said, yeah. And he said, keep Mel in prayer. And I said, why? And he said, because Mel's toying around the idea of doing a movie on the resurrection. And if he does, he said there'll be more persecution. He he had a smile smile like the Cheshire cat. He said there's going to be great persecution coming. And I thought, okay, got my assignment. Thank you, Lord. That's all. But the, but the handiwork of God, the choreography to order of the Holy our Ghost. steps for what His purposes are in our life, you yeah. know, I just found out that Mel is working on the resurrection. At that point, he was toying it around. So, isn't that awesome? That's how God just divine context. Yeah, and you guys, our church knows this, but just listen. Don't take lightly anything that God gives to you. Take yeah. it. Seize it. Do something with it. Okay? Praise God. Please we'll stand. see you tonight. Please stand. I want to pray and dismiss you. Father, in Jesus' name, that we would cherish and value extremely what we, your presence, Lord, this resurgence and convergence of the wisdom of God. As uh, you had said to Bobby years ago, that you're bringing the great, the young with the zeal and the gray heads with the wisdom and bringing them together for this absolute tsunami of a harvest and evangelism. Thank you for it, Lord, that we're all called, and you've chosen us. And, Lord God, that we will fulfill the destiny you've called us to fulfill, that we be aware. And, Lord, with some months back, you said you were going to give us a gift of comprehension, that we would comprehend the width, the head, the height, (laughs) the depth of your love for humanity. In the mighty name of Jesus, of your love for us. And, Lord, how much we truly have been forgiven that we might love more. In Jesus' mighty name. God bless you. You are dismissed. We'll see you tonight at 7.